Welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy Wine. I'm Hardy Wine. Join me now, won't you? As we do variations on a theme. And the theme is the one produced by the vibration of your heart. It creates music, your heart does. And your chest is like a big harp. And the ribs can be strummed. And they can ring out with the beautiful music of the human soul and the body. There's an episode of Bewitched, and I remember this so clearly, that was an experimental avant-garde one, and it was written by some famous artist or something. I remember this. And back in the day, and this was, you know, the 60s and even to the early 70s, they used to have things on TV, and a lot of them were done by people on the fringe of the arts. They really made an effort to reach out and say, yeah, we would want to be, have the all the experimental stuff, all the experimental uh, um, theater and visual arts and music and fringe things, craziness. That's what we're looking for, free thinking. And so they would call universities or whatever. They'd go to coffee shops and they'd say, would you like to do a movie or a TV show or something like that? And people would often say, sure, Salvador Dali did parts for musicals even. They would have people say, Salvador Dali, come and do a part for a Broadway musical. Yes. So 
you know, this went on all the time. And they would do it for television. And I remember there was, this went on into the 70s. I think there was episodes of All in the Family that were, there was one that was written um, by Samuel Beckett. And that's a very famous one. And they did it just like a stage play. I remember they, oh, it was, you know, it was incredible, really. It was weird. It was funny. People wanted to laugh and say, go, yes, laugh. Yes. It's the, now you're, it's the absurdity of it. And it was lovely. And Archie Bunker was in it. He was in like an overturned canoe or something is all I can remember. And it went on and the whole thing took place there. Now, when they've done, uh, speaking of Archie Bunker and All in the Family, once a television show, and this is like this for any idea and any species, once it's successful, they take whatever aspect they thought was successful and use that to destroy the organism of the television show. They say, well, now we know what got us here. Let's take that and, and, and pump it full of steroids. And so that's what they'll do. And it's often you're always destroyed by your success that way. Isn't that beautiful? What a wonderful, everything's a poem. You say, oh, I'm so jealous of my friend. My friend has his own TV show now. You know, he's multi-talented. And you say, well, just don't worry. As long as he keeps doing that and doing the thing that got him there, he'll be destroyed. And then you'll, well, you don't want that, though. I want someone to be successful and then just just be their friend because I think that might include just the vacationing part, right? I'm not looking to do the work. I'm looking to help the friend relax. Say, man, you got to, that's what I'm going to be sitting around a pool and go, man, you got to put those movies out of your head, you know, just get in the moment. Hey, and you know, like, oh, we're out of we're out of whiskey or weed or something. You know, like, um, no, I don't know. That that might be the fun part. Who knows? I like my friends. I don't. They don't have to be able to do anything for me. Although, if I have a loss, I would like some eggs or something prepared eggs, not just raw eggs. I don't need. Hurt your mom died. Here's eggs. No, you got to cook them. Oh, sorry. Anyway, scrambled? No, 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 like deviled eggs or something. Uh-oh. No, look it up on YouTube. All right. <clears throat> I'll Google, friend's mother died, deviled eggs. That's right. You do whatever you need to do. But uh, that's all I require. That might, I'd even give the person the eggs and the mayo and the, and the mustard or whatever, and the, the paprika they have to, they could probably make it. If you grow peppers, did you know that you can make your own Everything, pretty much, except flying saucers. No, you could make your own flying saucer. Just lower your expectations for what that means. As long as there's words, everything can be fudged. Everything can be manipulated, and it can mean its opposite. Isn't that beautiful? That's the way we language was designed to be slippery like that. Get you in and out of prison. Same words. It just depends what end you use. You know, whether you use it as a hammer or as a pry device. That's a hammer. It's still called a hammer, isn't it, though? It didn't say, oh, look, your pry device has a beaten end. Or, and then, you don't even say your hammer has a prying end. You just say, that's a hammer. And uh, 
there's different kinds and we know you're not that's not what you're talking about if you're going this nine pound hammer that's not it you're working on something driving stakes or something and i understand it's a little bit heavy buddy for your size i understand that and there's all people are willingly picking up very heavy mallets and and hitting them onto truck tires that lay upon the ground have you seen this have you seen this have you seen people sledgehammering truck tires in the name of fitness oh what have you done oh god vulcan when you say vulcan i'm not talking about spock or anything vulcan is a very ancient old god that is the god of tires and that's where we get vulcanizing or vulcan or vulcan rubber vulcanizing and a lot of the Vulcans in Star Trek made their riches in the tire business. Did you ever, the first millionaire I ever met when I was a kid, I had a, a friend, and he said, oh, their, their father is a millionaire. I guess their mother had married this old fella. And I said, what's he a millionaire for? And they said, he invented this machine that folds sheets. I go, that's pretty amazing. That's when I realized that there was all these sorts of like meatball machine making millionaires. And that fascinated me. Because, you know, when I, was a, when I was a kid, there was Howard Hughes. And he was famous for his fingernails. He had the longest fingernails in the world, so they gave him a million dollars. And he used it to build a giant wooden airplane so large it could not fly. And then he used that money... He just kept making it, using it to make money, I guess. And, you know, he made movies with big, with stars, women that are big stars and everything in them. It was something else. I think that's what he did. Aviation. That's what a huge aviation. So I guess it started with the airplanes. And then he made movies where he made movies about airplanes. And I was a kid. And then the other millionaire that you would hear about when I was a kid was Thurston Howell. Not the third, the original one. No, the original one went down the Titanic. But then the, isn't that implied? Don't they imply that or something? That Thurston Howell is like father or is, would it be his father? Went down on the Titanic. And he went down on the Minnow or the Minow is really how it's pronounced. I have a love of television in the same way that people love, like, the ogre that raised them. I remember in stories like that, I say, why don't you leave the ogre father? Well, I don't know anything else. You know, come live with us in the palace. Oh, you know, get back here to the table. <laughs> I, there, I don't know if this is a specific story. It might be the p prince and the pauper. But there was a story about there's a, a boy being raised by, a, like, an abusive father or bully father or something. And everybody seemed was fine with it, and except for somebody, <laughs> a privileged, powerful person who still really couldn't do anything because they were just a prince. They didn't, they didn't have all their power yet, or something, right? And then he doesn't want to go live with the. I don't know. I don't remember how that went. And they switched places, but it's still awful. Did the and then the prince kills the bully father or something? I don't think that happens. But that'd be an interesting twist. And then the other boy doesn't want to give back up. He goes, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the prince. That might be how the real story goes. 
I'm blessed with forgetfulness. You know, the parts of life that are tragic and horrible, grief, pain, a lot of times, with the exception of pain, forgetting is involved, except for physical pain, which endures or gets worse. But there's certain types of pain, emotional pain, the scars endure, but sometimes the specifics, you forgot how you got that enduring pain. This is a terrible example. What do I mean, though? Forgetting is good. Sometimes forgetting is good. And we know this from Star Trek, that you can, your, a lot of your problems... And there's a movie, there's later movies like Sunshine of the Awesome Mind where erasing your memories is therapeutic. And I don't know if that's true or not. And there's part of us that says, no, that, I don't know that it's, that's true because losing them seems tragic. We know they must be important if losing them is that tragic. Nobody is willingly going out there and wanting to, I guess you want a little bit in bars. So do you have a, I'm trying to forget something. What, what drink do you recommend? I guess that could be. I think that's a thing. What we can do, I can, the, the memories that you make from the first sip until tomorrow morning, I can erase. I go, no, those aren't the ones. I want to erase the ones from earlier today. I don't know if I can help you there. But I can tell you something that my pastor told me. <clears throat> What's that? Oh, I'm so interested. Well, he said, look. I'm trying to remember exactly. Give me a minute. He said, um, the, mem the memories, is it better? Okay, here's it. Is it better to have loved uh, thing? Okay somebody and then they die and then they're not there and all you have is the memories or to never have met them at all and the example he gave was Hitler no I don't think it was or something like that but you know what if they know which would you choose it's such a hard choice I don't know you know to never have had the joy or to know the absence of it Oh, the poets through the ages, all the poets and preachers and musicians have tackled this. They've tackled it like somebody, they think stole somebody's purse, but who didn't. And they go after it. They say, what is this question? You know, I don't know. And I'm here to, I'm, I'm, I'm here to console you about the horrible, paradoxical, unknowable nature of the entire universe. But I would also like to say that television, this bully daddy, is, um, is strangely appealing. What's, what about it? Well, he gets drunk, and then he tells these wonderful stories. This is television again. The, the abusive parent that we call broadcast television. And I can specify the decades. I don't know that the television works on me the same way it did <clears throat> in May again, though, because I remember my my grandmother when she was in the elder care facility, and uh, there was a wreck area. She wasn't there. She was there sometimes. They'd have her in in one of the prop up wheelchairs uh, to keep her a lot of strokes, so she didn't have any. Uh, ability to keep herself up anything 
and she had the kind of flaps on the side, keep her stationary. And um, she had really stopped making choices a lot, but they wheel you out there to watch. They assume you want to watch television. They don't ask you what, and they just put it on. And I guess the person who has who can yell out a program or a channel is the one who gets it. But they're all watching some kind of daytime television, whether it's a talk show or something like that. And I wonder, I think, well, that's going to, maybe that'll be me, you know, by chance or karma. So you let this happen to her. This shall now happen to you. Oh, what do I have to watch? It'll be whatever morning show is on at the time. What is it? I don't know, man, whoever is on at the time. <clears throat> they're not famous yet. Okay. And you have to watch that or a game. They still have game shows, do they? Is that the last thing I see before I close my eyes and I go to my reward? Reward? What? Back up. Where'd you get that idea? I don't know. It's just an expression. No. Is it? No. Who started it? Let me talk to him. No, I don't know if I can do that. There's nobody taking responsibility for it. I wonder what happens when you close your eyes that last time. It's, oh, oh, nothing worth wondering about. For me, there isn't really particularly. There, um, uh, you know, because of the whole, like, if it is nothing, then there's nothing to think about. There's nothing to wonder about. I can accommodate for that. Um, you know, if the end of everything is the end of my perception... That certainly, that certainly rings true. It feels right. Yes. Yes. How can that be painful? It won't be. Other people, the loss of others will be. That's a good point. My goodness. <clears throat> it's like prying your eyes open and making you watch. The, oh, you want to see loss? You won't see your loss, but <laughs> guess whose you will see? All right. Bless you. I hope this is a voice of understanding that is coming through your radio. So you're, I don't know whether you're making it worse for me, harder or better. I apologize. I know. It's a, should I point it out that you have a gaping, bleeding wound? Or should we just talk around it? That's the way I always think. So, well, you know, sometimes it's a time for both is what I'm told. Sometimes you need to point it out and say, let's do something about it. But what if it's so bad there's nothing to do about it? Then it's like one of those comic tragic episodes of your, of MASH or something. Like, we're just going to laugh together because you do, you know, you look down and you go, oh, there isn't a half of private so-and-so is missing. And uh, so, well, let's just, let's not, let's just talk like nothing's happening. You like fishing, you know, private half a loaf or whatever your name is. Yes. Well, that's good. Let's imagine we're doing it right now. That, I don't know. That's dark, Hardy. Don't let it be. Don't fall into that trap. Oh, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. I've been coming back to this world now many, many times. And um, I've got to tell you, it's perspective. It really is. Because I see, I see people, some people, one person's tragedy is another person's Oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that would happen. So just understand that and bless you. Say, well, what am I supposed to do about it? Go. It's fun. It's like supermarket sweep or something. Just get in there, grab stuff off the shelves, I guess. Who knows? They don't tell you what to do. But we've been having at this thing for a good long time.
So just pick up on some hints. Um, here's some things that have endured. So I like to look at ancient history and say, well, what were they doing in ancient history? Maybe I'll do that. Music is a goodie. Um, games. Gambling. Gambling, games, um, grain or something. Uh, depends on how much money you have. Oh, there's all sorts of things. If it's a really wealthy ancient society, you can do all everything that you could do in Boca, you could do in Pompeii. That's what way it was explained to me. I said, explain to me Pompeii, and they would go, Boca. It's like Boca with a volcano that destroys it. And that would never happen. Now, it might in Florida now. Florida's changed so much that you wonder, would it, could they have volcanoes now? I think they could. Back the, they never used to be able to. But now, what was once orange groves? Look at the Fertile Crescent and how it's transformed. You know, it became uh, desertified at one point, you know, or it's still point. There's a lot of that happened where there was big fertile areas of swamp and everything, and then, whoa, arid. Just everything's, all the moisture gone. Does that happen to you? Hi, friends. This is Hardy White. Do you ever feel like you were once some sort of fertile crescent with a beautiful lush jungle by a great flowing river, and then all the moisture's been sucked out of your skin, and you're looking more older aged skin than it is than you feel hi i'm hardy white what you're wondering wanting is skin cream and i have it just for you right now hardy white moisturizing skin cream and skin care system it has essential oils and renewing youth-izing, younger-izing, really just time machine-inspired properties, which will firm up your skin and moisturize it and turn it into really looking something, what's something firm and, and moist? Fish. It'll make you look like fish, or not fish, but like a porpoise. Do you want that? Do you want to look like a dolphin? Like a dolphin's weird, oily, gray skin? Mmm. I don't know. Might be nice. It's it's youthful. You look at them. I look at dolphins. I go, I can't tell. Bless you. I have some friends that are dolphins. I say, I don't know what age you are. I hope that's the, okay. It's not speciesist. But um, I can't tell. You know, y'all have that beautiful dolphin skin. I don't know if it's the oils. Like uh, whales might be like that too. And I don't want to use the wrong name for it. So, you get uh I'm so sensitive to a lot of friends. I have aquatic, I have marine uh, friends, friends who are marine mammals. Say, so how's that possible? It, <clears throat> a great deal of it is in my imagination. A lot of it is in my mind, but a lot of it is sometimes I will, uh, sl I sleepwalk, and I will sleepwalk into the ocean, and I will fall into the sea, and nobody wants to see me drown. Oh no! And so these protective spirits will come and put a bubble around me, and I will float down there and. I wake up, and when I wake up, I'm a little bit startled. But, you know, there are dolphins down there that are enlightened, and they project something into my mind. They use mind waves to calm me, and they speak to me using their mind, and they'll go, hello, how, how you doing? And I'll say, how, how are you? Um, 
man, we are the dolphin of the deep. And they have all sorts of names like gangs, depending on what area they're in. And we don't know the area because they don't say, you know, this is we're from the Atlantic or, you know, near Bermuda. We don't know what that is. So they have their own names for stuff, but they're using mental projection and like sound waves and all. And you just feel so calm in their presence. And there are certain whales will come up. And um, I'm trying to think of other, you know, a lot of times you're down pretty deep and you won't get sea cows or anything like that. But if you're just below the surface, sometimes you'll get seals and they'll say hi. They know how to do the, the telepathic magnetic mind talk that many sea creatures know. And so many humans know this is true, that there are movies about it. You'll see Mr. Limpet or Finding Nemo. And if it weren't true, we wouldn't have myths like that necessarily. Myths reflect some essential truth. There are 91 different names for um, Sasquatch. Right? And that's because... Um, I guess you took like language classes and they tell you, you know, oh, you know, you're David in this class, but you're Dawei now because it's Chinese. I don't know whether it's like that or they all have all seen the same one. He could still have 91 names if there's only one. Bless his heart. One immortal, great, giant ape person going around, you know, what do you, what's your... Skookum is my favorite one, my favorite of my names. But a skunk ape is not my favorite. Okay, we'll stop calling you that. If we are and have been identified by another species, I wonder if they have a derogatory name for us. You know? You just you wonder. You know, poo bugs or something like that. Um vomit roaches who knows we might not deserve some i don't think they t you know they these are we call them the thinking and dreaming apes i highly doubt that i don't think that i think they probably think we smell but you wonder i don't know what the atmosphere is like on their planet so much of this has been i would just like to be I imagine being on this show where I, I'm saying stuff and Don, what's his the astronomer's name who I'm thinking of with three names? Neil Patrick, it'll come to me. I'm not purposely goofing on his name. I can't think of it all of a sudden. Neil, It's not Neil Patrick Harris, but it's something like that. A three-named fella. And he goes, and he likes to, he's good at telling you why things can't be or whether they can be or something like that. Like, you couldn't, you can't, you know, use a football on the moon. Here's why, dummy. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Bless his heart. No, so I would love to be where I'm saying things and he's, he's um, talking over me, he's telling you why that's not true or that can't be. I think that would be beautiful. It would be a sort of symphony. And you wouldn't hear you wouldn't hear him or me. That's my dream. It's like they're canceling each other out. Because what are they what are they what's the point of the thing they're discussing? 
I'm always trying to bring things, not to the next level, but to, to say, let's say there isn't a next level. What do we do? Dig? Dig down? Or do we try to break through? Is there some subtle knife that we can use to carve through where we are into another now? I don't know. So that's what I'm trying to, uh, to bring. I think if you've read a lot of my pamphlets, and you see them all the time, like people are handing them out. This is extraordinary. And next time, f do this. Anytime that you see somebody handing something out on the street, that's from me. How are you claiming that? It's very easy. It's very easy to claim that. And I am. So next time you get it, that's from me. That's a message from me. And people are distributing it all over the world. Hardy White. They might, they don't know who you, what if they ask? They'll deny it. For sure, they'll say no. Unless they're right, unless it's Jersey City and it's a really specific block. One small part of the block, it's conceivable. But otherwise, they'll say, no, these pamphlets that I distribute are for my religion or philosophy or whatever. No, 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 no. Just read them. Read between the lines, and you'll see what I'm talking about. There are imaginary solutions. I'm not the first to say that. Alfred Jerry said it, but then he threw up violently afterwards. And I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that to just make things up. You feel that way about acting. So do you need to put yourself through psychological damage? Do you need to damage your soul in order to be an effective actor? If I'm going to really move audiences, do I need to feel things so deeply? I mean, is that a shortcut? You know, if I'm really feeling something, if I'm really tortured or you know, feeling, feeling the pain, that's going to drive the art. That's going to be uh, paints like painting in blood or something. And, uh, artistic abstraction doesn't need to work because there's some literal evidence of the suffering. Here I am. Can you hear it in my voice? I've gone through things. And then I don't have to pretend, or I could pretend and save my soul and spirit of this, you wonder. I mean, would you want somebody to come to show and tell and they say, do something for, to, to show, and they start, they start cutting their chest open or something, I'm going to show you my insides. Go, no, don't do that. That's too steep a price to pay. We don't need that. Well, do, pretend to do it or something? I don't know. Act like it was just done. Imagine it happening. I don't really know. Sometimes it's the same. I would like to tell you how I, how I do it, how I organize my thinking and everything. And I do it in such a way that it's like, it's very much like collage, but with really important things like my worldview which I cut up and repaste together. I make things up. I make up myths. Do you believe your own nonsense? No, I keep changing it. That way I don't fall into some trap of believing something I've made up. That happens to people. They go, I've, been, oh, I've made up a spirituality, you know, and I've, I've done this. And I go, oh, now you've, 
You've duped yourself. Now you are a victim of your own inner guru. Don't do that. Don't fall for your own BS. Drop out. Whatever you do, drop out. Get, get out. Move on. Sell it. Never run a restaurant that you open. Get out of there. Sell it. Let somebody else run it. You set the menu and move on. Do, some, do the fun things. So I imagine a lot of things and I'm changing and I always try to be flexible with the way I see the world. I'm going to see it through all sorts of lenses because even the distorted ones might give me a new idea of what's really going on because I know what I see, isn't it? And so it must be a myriad of possibilities. And so I use all those possibilities and they're all one as good as the other. Now, the other day I seen something somebody posted and it was this cartoon from the early 70s and it was in uh, a style I remember and it was a sort of takeoff on all in the family let's say or those kind of uh, topical and daring political social commentary you know where they might have a uh, curmudgingly bigot as the central character and then you know they they all goof on hippies and and liberals and stuff and oh it's all in there that's what all in the family was so i saw this cartoon they did it for and the cartoon was called uh i think wait till your father gets home or something like that 1970 you're all looking it up you love imdb right now could you imagine the days before that you'd have to go do you remember and people go vaguely i don't know maybe but now you just look it up you can go look at it that's incredible now that makes me sad a lot of it because now you say, oh, I can, something happened or it didn't happen. There's proof of how it was. The best thing you can do that's an antidote for that is to visit other realities and other timelines. And that's what I've done today. I have gone on a TV set from another time close to that one. And I have a little bit of an episode. I don't have the whole thing. You're going to be so disappointed. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. You'll hate me. That's you give somebody, I'll take your old comic books. They're great. They're from the 70s. Yeah, you're going to love them, but then you're also going to hate it because, like, it just, the story is going to end right in the middle of things. And you'll never know if Spider Man gets out of it or not. You're going, I think it was the 70s he gets out. We don't know. So there you go. But uh, so this might end in the right in the middle of things. And I apologize if it does, but I'm going to play it for you now. It's an imaginary cartoon that aired, and it's called um, Kids Today, I Wish They Were Dead. And it's about like that. It has a curmudgeonly, not literally, but, uh, you know, dad is like, oh, you got these kids. He hates his kids and family and everything, and he hates change and the way the world is now. Everything is too compassionate for him and everything like that and um, not selfish enough and it was a cartoon it was fun it was for adults you know kids could like it too because some of the voices are from their favorite kid shows but then uh, it's also it's mainly for uh, grown-ups or grups they were called back then in the 60s grups and onlys kids these days what are you gonna do Kids these days, they drive me crazy. Kids these days, what? 
kids these days. I wish they were dead. Kids these days. I don't understand them. Kids these days. Look at those haircuts. Kids these days. What's a parent to do? Kids these days. I literally want them dead. My name is Mike Biggin. And I'm just an ordinary American family leader in such and so a city, USA, trying to raise a killing and rear a wife and kids in a crazy, mixed-up country in the 20th century. And I hate everything new. This is my son, Stanley. He's a so-called hippie genius. I'm a lit major, and I work at a drugstore, Pop. Your hair looks like Lady Godiva let it out of the tower. I don't know what to tell you. And this is my lovely daughter, Alice, who still lives at home and is not married. So you're joking, or I'm petitioning for independence? <laughs> I kid, of course. She's still in school. For now, I get all A's. Marry well, please. Oh, I promise, 19th century traditional Japanese dad. You kid, but your mother did pretty well. She was smarter and richer than you. <laughs> this is my wife, Marie. I tell people she's my bitter half. I'm not bitter. I know, it's a pun. Okay. Stop arguing. I guess I have it pretty good, except for these knuckle chucks and other bampkin boops in the world who make it impossible for a regular guy like me to get my way all the time. Knock, knock, letting myself in. Oh, it's my neighbor, Woodward. Hey, Woodward. It's Woodford, but I love you too. Listen, I have an idea for a business. I'm not lending you any money. I don't need any money, that's the thing. I just bought a Ford Escort. Good for you. Weird brag. And I was making prostitute jokes. Ah, I'm gonna stop you right there. There's some businesses I don't wanna know about. No, I'm not doing that. It's a pun on escort. I want to start a car service called Escort Service. Bad idea. Why? Name recognition is awesome. Name a AAA Escort Service, and I'm first name in the phone book. Take it from a guy who opened a clothes washing service called Money Laundering. The mix-up on the legal end is not worth it. A store that sells earrings and belts and purses called Accessories After the Fact? No, that sounds good. Oh, I need $100,000. No, no, no. Even if I had $100,000, I wouldn't give it to you. Of course not. But if you had 10 times that, you would, right? No. How much would you have to have to give me $100,000? In the 900 billions. I see. The irony is, this is a $900 billion idea. That makes for great art. I'll write it up as a TV sitcom script. Oh, hey, Pop. I forgot to tell you. You got a phone call. Oh, thanks. Any idea from who, Sherlock Hathaway? From the law offices of Macmillan and Jew. I beg your pardon? It's a surname. It's a surname. Oh, where I'm from, Macmillan is a sort of aggressive way of pointing out someone's monastic haircut. It means son of the tonsure. Well, they said call back. It's sort of urgent. Urgent? Oh, that can't be good. When lawyers call, they never have good news like, hey, a family member died. Uh, I don't think it's that. You might be being sued. Sued? By whom? Have you done business recently? 
I bought a lawnmower at a yard sale. Maybe the guy is suing you because your check bounced. I paid cash. Then how did he even find you? Listen, Woody, I think I need to call them in private, please. I understand. However, I have seen you cry before. Bye, Wood. Good luck, Mikey. Well, where's the number? All right. Macmillan and Jew. Uh, yes. Uh, this is Mike Bigot, ordinary American employed citizen. Okay. I'm returning a call from your firm. Hold a minute, please. Mike Bigot? Here. Yes, this is Curly McMillan. We are contacting you because we believe that you are the only living relative of Commander Atlas Bigot of Hamanatan Matter in the Marietta Plain. Okay. Does that name ring a bell? I think my grandfather had a brother named Atlas, but the rest I have no idea. Well, if everything checks out, you have just inherited Hamanatan Manor. Inherited? Manor? Just? What? Well, there's no other heirs, so you are the only living relative, and therefore his estate and his possessions are all yours. Mr. Bigot, are you there? Marie, Marie, pack your bags. We're headed to the Marietta Plain. <laughs> Thanks for picking us up at the airport, Curly. No bother. I was dropping off my Jew. Okay. I didn't know Marietta Plain was a tropical island. Well, now you do. How long is the car trip to the manor, Mr. McMillan? Oh my God, Alice, stop with the constant pestering. We get there when we get there. Uh, it's about an hour and a half. An hour and a half? Oh, for God's sake, you're kidding me. In this car, with my whole family crammed in? Don't sweat it, Pop. It's like our old car trips. I don't remember those fondly, or anything we ever did with you miserable people who I love with all my heart, but aren't I rich now? Not yet, Mike. You haven't signed the deed, and I really think you need to see the place first. Uh-oh. What auto? Let's just have a good look at it first. Uh-oh, well, no, now I'm thinking I'm about to be saddled with some giant, decrepit, haunted mansion. That sounds pretty good, actually. Oh, it's nothing like that. It's the location of the estate you might find challenging. Oh my God, what? Just let's wait till we get there. No, no, it's 90 minutes away. Tell me now, I might opt out sight unseen if you tell me it's in a landfill or it's on a cliff that's sliding into the sea or it's surrounded by water or it's on an impossibly high peak. See it anyway. Did, did I just name it? Did I just name the downside? Just see it. Oh, I'm not living in a landfill. What if it's like the Palace of Versailles, but you can't smell the garbage from the inside? No, I don't care what it looks like. Okay, look, if you inherited a condo in a luxury skyscraper in Manhattan, would you take it? Yeah, same thing. Same thing how? Virtually the same thing. To be clear, we're on an island, and this is a jungle, and there are no skyscrapers, or am I just not seeing them for the trees? Just... It's on an impossibly high rocky peak. Well, you got me. 
213 and possibly High Rocky Peak to be precise. That's the address. But get a P.O. box. No. Turn around. Turn the car around. I'm not going. When Mike got to the castle, or um, uh, house, he could not believe his eyes. It was impossibly high on a big mountain. What are we going to do, he said. I'm not going up that high just to get in some mansion. That's the word, castle. Why does it say castle? Mansion, estate. You should go in regardless, said his wife. Uh, the name of which I'm blanking on. One of them's M M uh, Marie. And the daughter's Alice. And the son is... I don't remember it all. Oh, my gosh. I was trying to just make up the ending for you because I felt badly that I'd given you this comic book and you'd never know how it's going to end. But, you know, that's how life is. You get about halfway, three-quarters through the story from your perspective, and you say, well, wait, wait now. I've always wondered what happens to my great-great-great-grandchildren. Well, that's you're not going to lower the bar there. Well, I just always wanted to have great-great-great-grandchildren. Yep, keep going. Who knows? There's always something more to see. I don't know if anybody's been content and say, yes, I'm ready to go. That's not true. People have, I guess, whether they've been content to go or not. Um, you know, I realize that. But, um, hey, while we're here, that's my motto. While we're here, we might as well make, well, there's a two-drink minimum, so to speak. So we have to engage a little bit, I hate to tell you. But I love doing it with you. I just think it makes it a lot better. I'm a combo type of player. I like to be, you can play open mic by yourself. And I always think, gosh, that's, it's so hard being whatever, narcissistic or whatever. But it's so, it's so, you don't know how much great it is to have company and everything. And people go like, oh, I, you know, let's all play one song together. And you can have up to. I don't even know if there's a limit. I play three, four, five, six people, but you can keep going. Ten, I've played with ten or twelve people, but just by yourself, you've know, you got to wonder. You think that about, they now know, you know, Van Gogh was really violent and awful and obnoxious. That's why he didn't have any friends. And you think, oh, poor Van Gogh. You know, he's a good painter. But I don't know, I've thought that at open mics. Come bless your heart. Are you, what is your... Why are you alone? You know, I'm thinking that sometimes. Um, I'm not, it's not a critique. But, you know, never, here's the thing, and this is the hardest thing to learn, is that below a certain level in show business or any entertainment, no one is going to say, you suck, you're cringe. This is not worth it. Like, nobody would do that to you. And you can go like you could go a long time and do a lot of things and have a lot of shows and a lot of people think it and nobody ever tell you and you know you might never know, and you go I've got to I'm haunted by this stupid thought I hate it I wish it would go and you pay for therapy to make it go away, but it might be true, because people are, kind of all right and let, well listen you know even if they're not kind they're polite. 
because that's a part they can be fear you can be a big weenie fearful weenie and be polite and so there's a lot of people are that and then the, a lot of people are also just straight up kind and wouldn't do that now if you're making money off of it and you're going to play a big show and you're charging 20 dollars a ticket there might be some people go you know what this is actually crap right and they ought to take them seriously too but um but the way you ought to treat it is like yeah, it's not worth saying, so maybe it's even not worth me knowing or thinking either. Like, somebody has to play those open mics and stuff, don't they? Don't they have to have them? They have to have, you have to have them. So you might as well have people that are step up and do it. I mean, if it's something that civically is mandatory, I think it's a beautiful thing. I would like, I had to go to a, I had to go. Well, a friend was doing an open mic, a stand-up comedy one. And it's hard. I would never try to make people laugh. I find there's a ladder of performance outcomes. I don't want to call it entertainment because there's a lot of times you can perform and what the, what you do is not entertaining. But you might have intended that too. And so there's a lot of performance outcomes. And down there on the lowest one is annoy. I love that one. That is that you can go, uh, being annoying or um, just provocative in a, in a way, that's the lowest one. And most people can do that unintentionally even. You can go out there and try. Uh, that's just about the baseline there. So isn't that beautiful? So you know no matter what you do when you go on stage, you're probably going to hit that note like so clearly and in pitch. But then there's if you want to go up a notch, you know, and do all kind of make people laugh. There's, there's layers there too. Uncomfortable is a good one. I could, I could do that. Uncomfortable laugh. Um, there's always like a cackling drunkard. In the back, which is good too, and I'm not sure what triggers the cackling. I think what triggers the the cackling drunkard is something that's in joke form. Like I think they're hearing the music of it, and so in the space where they're supposed to be, they well, they know they're supposed to be a joke or a laugh. There, they laugh maniacally, and it's kind of wonderful. I don't I. It's, it was part of it for me. It's like, wow, that, and then that's some, that can make other people laugh. So if that person's a plant, like, damn, that's sophisticated. Because I hear the cackling in the back, and now I'm laughing at, the comic thinks they're getting a laugh, and it's the, it's the cackling drunkard. Oh, I love it. It's all music. I'm just trying to, I want you uh, to just expand your idea of what you think. It's entertainment. It doesn't always have to come from your t television or anything. It can come from anything. And you know it. Like, go to that damn mall. Go somewhere where there's people. And you are going to see the most beautiful, subtle performance. And just know how to look at it and, and, and listen for it. And do that with your own life. And interpret it in ridiculous ways. Try to put things together. Solve puzzles. Make, it's okay to make conspiracies out of things. Just don't try to talk other people into it. But I do it as a way of inspiring creativity in myself. I call them poetic connections. And what they are is they're paranoid delusions that I'm using 
uh, for good purposes. You know how people take ketamine to get over their depression and all? I use uh, self-confusion as a way of um, tempering my thoughts and getting control of them. I love it. I, and um, I, I know I'm doing it. Like it's the kind of, uh, I know I'm not hallucinating. I don't confuse the hallucination for reality. It's like if I rub my eyes and then I see things, I know it was because I rubbed my eyes. So that's, that's what's going on. And I just want you to rub your eyes until you see ghosts. Oh, can you do that for me? I would like to, here, hold your breath for a minute. No, let it go. Don't do that. Don't do things I tell you. That makes me scared. I would never, because some of your blessed, blessed, trusting souls, and I couldn't, I can't even, I can't, I could, I can't think of anything I could sell you, because it breaks my heart. I would just cry. I worked retail for a while, and I would cry when I would tell people the price and everything, because I knew it was unfair, and I didn't know how much money they had. I don't know. It just feels icky, and so it does a garage sales. You're like, you know, give me five dollars for this, and they start giving it to you, and you go, oh no, just take it. What? Just take it. Ah, la, la. I don't know. I just always feel like I'm fooling people, or um, I don't know. I feel maybe it's the system's been imposed on me, and I'm I'm just too delicate. Oh, bless me. I can't be that delicate. I'm still alive. So. Um, that's what I always think. I go, that can't be, you know. Well, you're pretty fragile. Am I, though? Because how many times have I fallen off the Christmas tree and I didn't break? So I can't be that fragile. At a certain age, you think, maybe, you know, that's a good thing. That get, I can't wait to get to full-on, crusty old grandpa age where people go, well, that old guy, he's endured. That's, that's something. And it really is. You know, you're still here. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still on. I'm stone. Still on duty, like Susan Lucci. I know that's not a perfect rhyme, but I'm still doing it. Um, and I, I love that. Have Have you gotten any awards like Susan Lucci has? She's famous for being uh, absolutely showered with professional recognition. No, I haven't. And do you want it? No, I think one of the reasons of my lack of professional recognition is my lack of professionalism or a profession. And that sometimes will affect things like, they don't know what category to put you in because they don't know who you are, or uh, that kind of thing. And I understand that. Oh my goodness, I'm not looking for that sort of satisfaction if I haven't found it by now. Deep within, I'm not going to get it through the superficial means of fame or glory or money. If I happen to get any of those, money being number one, and that is, I only say that because of this eating thing that I've been doing, um, and I still I anticipate doing it right up to the end, even if it's pudding, or ensure, I'm still going to need some, and a place to live, and a place to hang, not just one hat, but I have a hat collection, and I envision having enough money to have a house for each separate hat. I think would be indulgent but remarkable. The king had a room for every hat. Remember that old story? He was so wealthy. How many hats did he have? A thousand hats. And every day he would go into a different room. And this took three, 
three years and change? No, two years and change. Wait a minute. Two years, I think, and, ch and change. Hang on just a second. 707. No, almost. No, three years would be if there's three, 363. That's too much. Okay, two and, but a lot of change. Yes, two, two and a lot of change, maybe. Years. If every day, <clears throat> one hat, a hat, a hat room every day, yes. All right. It's doable. It's doable. It could be that a place like that could exist. I love you, my friends. You stuck with me. It's like going on a car trip with somebody and they don't jump out of the moving vehicle. You know how good that makes me feel? You know how warm my heart becomes because of that? Could you hand me my heart cooling pills? Right now, I'm not even fooling. Hand me the heart cooling pills. They're too, it's too warm. Oh, you bless me too much. Sometimes I get letters that say, oh, I love you, hearty. And I go, oh, you're blessing me too much. And uh, I never say that. But but thank you. If you want to bless me too much, that would be fine. I'll just, uh, I, the, sir, I know not to, to overeat as far as compliments. I'll cut, I'll, uh, I'll stop reading when I get my fill if you want to write me. Oh, bless you so much. We are nearing the end of our hour together. Our hour together. Our hour hour together. When I was in voice school, they would say, say it, say we're, we're nearing the end of our hour. Like that, they'd say, say it like that. I go, I cannot hear, that's two different words. I said marry or marry to, I said, I hope you marry somebody, like marry to a wedding. I wonder where that's from. I got to go back and take that regional accent test from the New York Times. You're going to need that in the future. You're going to have to take that, and then you have to go where you sound like you're from. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and in New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org, Worldwide Freeform Radio, the way it's meant to be on the radio, Freeform Worldwide, WFMU, say it again, and you've said it again. My friends, uh, join us here for uh, music and um, also not things that aren't music, all sorts of entertainment, all nonsensical things. People, a lot of times what will happen, I'll, I'll do this, is I'll get to the end of the hour and I'll say, what, two minutes? Well, that can't be. Um, I thought I had, usually I just, they know me. I just, he, uh, Hardy doesn't mind not going up all the way to the end and confusing things and mucking it up for everybody. But a lot of times I am concerned with that and say, I don't want to finish too early or too late. This is a very precise medium radio. And I sort of pride myself on, uh, on getting it right, on being a professional. And I guess that requires some kind of internal innate timing that you know when to speak and when to end it and you know how to wrap it up. And I've, I remember uh, in my youth seeing people doing interviews and everything and you'd know they were getting signals 
uh, from the director, and they, you would know that it was time for them to, to wrap it up, and they were such incredible professionals about how they would just time it just perfectly, and they would end it right on a dime, and I've always thought that I could do that, and that that was what, I was that good, and I was that much of a professional that that
Thank <laughs> you.